today. Hey, listen, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Alex. I'm the youth pastor for Verge Student Ministries here at Lighthouse. Let's try that again. Youth pastor for Verge Student Ministries. Okay, here we go. Where God is doing some incredible things. Last week, if you weren't here, we had six of our students get baptized. Come on. God's doing some incredible things as we reach the 9,000 Gen Z students in Gloucester County. Um, But I'm just excited to be here with you today. If you don't know anything about me, your first time seeing me, I am happily married to my wife, Grace. And I won't point her out because she's an introvert and she will talk to me after service about it. But anyways, um, I'm happily married to my wife, Grace, and we have a one and a half year old son, Xander, uh, who's going on 13. So uh, pray for us. And we're also 23 weeks pregnant with our next child. So we're excited. Now, listen, I was going to do a gender reveal for you today, but my wife said we're not doing that. And I'm not going to talk to you after service. So y'all going to wait. Anyway, man, I'm so excited to be here today. Um, here at Lighthouse, we believe that everyone has a seat at the table, but we also believe in honor, giving honor where honors due, and giving people flowers while they're still alive. Amen. And I want to give honor to our senior leadership, Pastor Ken and Pastor Holly. She's not here today, but can we show our love and appreciation for our leaders of the house? Amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you for letting me step into your platform today and share. And uh, today I got a special message. It's going to be good. I'm wrapping up our Sabbath series. How many enjoyed our Sabbath series so far? Listen, I don't know if I've enjoyed it or I just feel so much conviction in it that I just need to... You know, thank everything about Sabbath, throw it out the window and just start new, right? Um, but this series, if you have not watched it, you have not participated, we have an online service, which hello to our online audience watching. Uh, if you have not seen it, go to our YouTube channel, check out the messages. Uh, but before we get started, I want to give you a recap of the last few weeks of our Sabbath series. You should have notes in front of you and uh, take a look at those, but I'm going to go week one through four. So if you missed anything about Sabbath, I'm giving you the spark note version of the last few weeks, okay? So week one, we had Pastor Ken preach on the first element of Sabbath, which is stop. Everybody say stop. stop. Okay, this is going to be a fun service. We talked about stop, and he had a, remember he had a uh, fly rod up here, a fishing rod up here, and what you didn't know is he had a hook on the end of that, so if you fell asleep, he could hook you. And... But in that, he talked about what it means to enter into rest and trying to get back to a place of Sabbath where we're feeling our soul again, resting in God. You know what I'm talking about? Where we slow down enough that we feel God again in our soul. And he talked about how sometimes that's hard to do with work and family and finance and pressure. Anybody relate? And he talked about how when it comes to stop, we have to stop working. We have to stop thinking of work. We have to stop worrying and stop wanting. And then week two, Pastor Daniel preached a brilliant message on rest and how rest is more than just taking a Sunday afternoon nap. How rest is a person in Jesus and how rest is learned and how Jesus links the Christian life to spiritual rest. In addition to that, that spiritual rest is an antidote for fear and anxiety. Let me tell you some good news today. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you need to get to a place of spiritual rest. We need to slow down a little bit and rest in who God is in Sabbath. 
Then week three, Pastor Ken came back and talked about time and eternity and how they meet and they kiss. And what we see is only a fraction of what actually is and how we are really eternal beings. And that when we believe in Jesus, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And how anything to do with Sabbath without Jesus is just a vacation. Jesus brings soul rest. And that if we obey what he commands, either he is Lord of all or not at all. I'll say that one more time. Either he is Lord of all or not at all. Then week four, we had Pastor Holly bring the house down last week. Anybody heard her message last week on worship? It's hard following that up. She talked about worship and Sabbath and how she grew up thinking that her life Sabbath was just taking a nap on a Sunday. You didn't do anything on Sunday because that's what Sabbath was. And she talked about the Israelites getting free from the bondage of slavery in Exodus and how Sabbath is more than just checking a box, but Sabbath will begin to set us free if we practice it. And Sabbath for us is building an altar of worship unto God and how we need to practice Sabbath pause, where pause in the middle of the day will return our thoughts to God. And a lot of times in Sabbath, we have created idols beforehand, so it limits our worship in the midst of Sabbath. And today I have the privilege in closing out our Sabbath series, week five, talking about delight. Everyone say delight. And we don't use that word much unless you use coffee creamer. If you're a coffee drinker, you'll get that. This is not coffee, this is hot tea. My voice is very sore from the first service. But I'm gonna give you everything I got until my voice goes out. So anyway. But today we're talking about delight and joy when it comes to Sabbath because how many know God is a fun God? If God was a boring God, this life would be boring. And if you think God's boring, we're gonna talk today about how you can receive joy again. But before that, if you haven't already figured it out, I'm a talkback preacher, which means one of two things. You can either sit there and not participate or you can talk back to me. So when I make a good point, you can clap, you can snap, let's try it, clap. Okay, you can snap, you can say amen, you can say, preach white boy. I don't care what you say. Just talk to me, okay? That's it. I knew somebody was gonna say it. Anyways, hey, I believe God's gonna do something special in our service today. But here's what I need from you. I'm gonna give you everything I have. But it needs to be reciprocated. I need you to lean in a little bit. I need you to take notes. I need you to be attentive. Because how many know sometimes we come in these church services and we expect God to do something and God does something. And then sometimes we don't expect him to do anything. We wonder why he didn't move, right? So today, as I pray, I'm gonna ask that you just lean in a little bit spiritually because I believe that joy is gonna be restored today in the house. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray over, over Lighthouse Church, over these moments together. God, I pray that as we talk about Sabbath, God, that you would help us understand the full meaning of Sabbath. Holy Spirit, I pray that you enter in this place. God, that I would get out of the way of what you want to communicate today. God, I pray for open hearts and open minds as we kind of get vulnerable today talking about delight and joy when it comes to Sabbath. And God, I pray for walls to fall in Jesus' name. God, I pray for parents, men and women, teenagers who feel tired, who feel like life has not been joyful lately. God, I pray you begin to 
permeate their heart and begin to toil up some of that soil of hard heartness towards joy and delight. And God, let us have fun today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Amen. Preach it, white boy. That's what I'm talking about. Well, if you know me, you know that I like to use props when I preach because uh, people just don't like to hear me talk forever, right? They like to see what I bring to the table. But as I was preparing for today's sermon, I couldn't help but think about it's February, which means Valentine's Day is coming up. Guys, just so you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, okay? You're welcome to all the women in the room. But I was thinking about Valentine's Day, Pastor Daniel, and I was thinking about, you know, if I'm honest, I'm kind of like a hopeless romantic, right? Everybody say, aw. I'm, I'm really the affectionate one, but sometimes. Anyway, but when it comes to Valentine's Day, I try to go above and beyond when it comes to my gift giving and spending time with my wife. And I couldn't help but think about our first Valentine's Day together. And I was a senior in Bible college. Now, if you know anything about seniors in college in general, they are broke, okay? Um, but I, I had to do something. I was like, I'm not, it's first Valentine's Day, right? I, I gotta get her something. Like I'm broke, I could probably buy a Happy Meal, but that's about it, right? And I was like, man, I, I'm at Bible college. I need to come up with something creative. And, you know, because when you're broke, you get creative. And uh, I was at Bible college and we had a, a wood shop off to the side where the maintenance man would go and build stuff. And I went to him and I said, Aaron, listen, uh, your boy needs some help. And I said, I, I'm dating this new girl and really like her. And I want to do something creative, but uh, I ain't got no money. So what he did is he went to his wood shop and uh, he brought me a piece of wood. Here you go. All right, thanks, Aaron. <laughs> like, you're not gonna carve anything for me? Help me out or something. So I had like five to 10 bucks and I was like, all right. Like any smart man would do when I don't know how to get creative, I go to an app called Pinterest, right? <laughs> Men, if you need to get creative for Valentine's Day, go to Pinterest. That's what I'm saying. Thank you, thank you. So I went to Pinterest and I knew my wife liked flowers, especially sunflowers. And I was like, all right, if I'm gonna get creative, I'm, I'm just gonna go all in. I'm, I'm all in, right? And I went to Michael's and I went to the clearance section of Michael's and I got two different color version of yarn. And I had some nails at the Bible college uh, woodshed and I'm like, all right, well, I'll come up with something, right? And I remember in that moment, I created something for Grace and I ended up taking her to Starbucks afterwards and bought her some coffee. And uh, in that moment, I told her how much of a man of God I was, you know? <laughs> I won her over. But, you know, it was just the simplicity of us being together. Just sharing a cup of coffee together. And uh, I actually brought the gift I made her from that moment. And it's a... See, I knew I had something. Got my Bob Ross on right here, boy. This is it. Woo, that boy can preach and he's creative. That's a man of God. Anyway, Shaba. Anyway. But you know, I gave her this and I was kind of nervous to give her this because I was like, I don't know, this could be the end of our relationship. Uh, but I remember she was just so touched that I, 
I didn't have any money, but it was just the simplicity of us being together. And I gave her this gift and I bought her Starbucks and uh, the rest is history. We got two kids, so anyway. <laughs> Something worked on that date, I don't know. But I just remember the, right? Amen. I just remember the simplicity of us being together. And it wasn't all the fancy stuff, right? It wasn't the expensive dinner. It wasn't fancy gifts. It was just the joy of us being together. Like just for who she was, who I am. I'm a broke college student, you know, don't have much to offer except for a dream in ministry. And it's just the simplicity of it. I wanna ask you today, church, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a relationship, maybe with a friend, maybe a spouse, where it's just joy to be around them? Like it's a delight. Like when you, when you take your, away all the extra things, when you just sit alone in a coffee shop with them, there's just delight. Or if you're a parent in the room, my one and a half year old son, Xander, he could be acting so crazy that day. But there's a look that I get when I look at him and there's just so much joy that radiates off of me just because I know he's mine. And it's the simplicity. He has nothing to offer me except for joy in my life. You know, as I was preparing this message today, I couldn't help talking about Sabbath. And the Lord kind of convicted me and he said, Alex, when will we get back to the place where it was a joy to be together? Alex, when will delight come back into our relationship. Where it's not all the preaching agenda, it's not what's happening in Verge, it's not how much you travel and speak across the country. It's none of that. It's just me and God alone together and finding joy in the midst of that. And I think if I'm honest with you, church, some of us are joy deficient. Where life has sucked joy so much from us that we do not know how to delight in the Lord. So we don't understand the full expression of what Sabbath contains. Or you know what? We're, we're so eat up with entertainment in this world of just scrolling through things. Well, we don't understand the idea of just sitting alone with God with nothing else. There's just a beauty in sitting with him for who he is, not what he gives. Today, we're gonna talk about that, restoring joy. So if you got your Bibles, Turn with me to Psalms 23. It's a familiar verse, but we're gonna look at it in a new light. And I want you to think in the back of your mind as you're turning there, what would it look like if I operated out of joy in my life? I want you to think to yourself, what would it look like? How would I love my family more if I operated from a place of joy? How would I be a better husband or better wife if I operated from a place of joy? How would I be a better coworker or a dad or a mom or a son or daughter? What would that look like if I operated from a place of rest and joy and Sabbath and not eaten up with anxiety and fear from life? Today, we're gonna to talk about that in Psalms, Psalm 23. Here we find David kind of in this moment, he's one-on-one with God and he's kind of writing in a journal. That's what I imagine him just kind of writing in this sweet moment with God. He's writing down what it means to delight in the Lord and have joy in the Lord. Let's read Psalms 23 together. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Today, we're gonna be breaking down the premise of how we delight in Sabbath. And since we know what Sabbath is from the various parts of Sabbath, let's gather a working definition of delight in Sabbath. And delight is a high degree of pleasure or satisfaction of mind. It's the illumination of joy and it's not dependent on, dependent on sudden excitement or circumstances. See, there's a grace to finding the rhythm of Sabbath. And as you find the rhythm of Sabbath, the prayer is that you would delight in it, which would illuminate joy. Where you work, you operate, you live life from a place of rest, joy, and delight. We said, Pastor Alex, what does delight mean in the context of Sabbath and using Psalms 23? How can we truly delight? I'm glad that you asked. Point number one is this. We delight in who God is. Everybody say who God, God is. Okay, Psalms 23, let's go back to that. He starts off and says, the Lord is. See, David starting this Psalm understood that the foundation of delighting in Sabbath is understanding who God is, not what he gives. It's the understanding that God is everything that I need, that he is, okay? David here is showing us the premise of understanding that delight starts with who God is rather than what God gives. And if God is the all-sufficient one, the creator, the provider, the healer, the all in all, and until you understand that he is and who he is, you won't be able to understand the rhythms of Sabbath. See, delight is in God, the Alpha and the Omega. And if God is all I need, then his presence is where I need to be. If you know me, I like to use illustrations. Randy, can you help me for a minute? Anybody give it up for Randy? Didn't he do a great job of communion today? So here's Randy. No bad luck. Randy is holding this umbrella. And I like to use this illustration that if I know who God is, I submit to who he is because I know who he is. So I stay under this umbrella of who God is. So when we understand Sabbath, when we understand who God is, we literally stay under a realm of understanding that God is all in all. He is alpha and omega. He's a beginning and the end. He's a provider. He's a healer. Anything you need him to be, I understand that he is. So it keeps me under this umbrella. Here's the problem when it comes to this church is sometimes when we don't get in Sabbath rhythm, we like to think of us as God instead of God himself. So what happens is we miss a Sabbath. So I'm, I'm kind of half in and kind of not. And I, I know who God is, but I'm my own provider because I got myself a job. Then we miss Sabbath again. And you know, I come to church every week and I know the Bible stories, but I take care of me and my family. I'm the spiritual head. I'm good. And I... The danger and the trouble is that the moment we step out of understanding who God is and the foundation of who God is, 
we skip Sabbath, we start to think of ourselves as God and not him. So then we cannot have joy and delight in Sabbath because we ourselves are God and we're gonna let ourselves down. Anybody ever been there? You won't find joy in getting the thing yourself. Why? Because you're not God. You won't understand the rhythms of Sabbath until you submit to who God is. And if you never submit to who God is, it's not just knowing who God is. It's being in a posture of, I know that he's my provider. I know he's the all in all. I know he's the all sufficient one. And if we never submit to who God is in our lives, I'm talking about every part of our life. Our word is all in. If we're not submitted to who God is in our family, in our finances, in our job, in our marriages, as a parent, you'll never delight in who God is. The trouble is we get outside of this and we view ourselves as God. And we wonder why we never have joy in life. Because joy is God. He created joy. He is joy. What you're looking for is happiness, not joy. When you try to do it on your own, you're replacing a sustainable joy for a temporary happiness. That new raise at work that you got on your own will not sustain you when God provides. Let me be honest, you can do everything in your power and try to be God and you will fall flat on your face. Can I get a witness in church today? I've been there, I've done it. And my wife always reminds me, God, God will do it. And I think, you know what, what? Right? Don't we do that? All the time, something happens. And Grace's like, God's got it. I'm like, yeah, but I could, you know, I could do this. How I many know I'll never find joy in that because I'm on this hamster wheel of trying to find happiness. And a lot of us will never be satisfied in Sabbath because we don't understand who God is. Can we give it up for Randy? So not only do we need to understand who God is, the Lord is, it goes into a little bit of deeper intimacy with the relationship between David and God. Let's go back to Psalms 23. It says this, the Lord is. He understands who the Lord is. That's the foundation. He says then, my shepherd. See, we delight in the person of God because he is everything we need, but we delight in the fact that we can have a personal relationship with him. And my state's personal responsibility and ownership. While Shepherd talks about the intimacy of relationship between David and God, between sheep and shepherd. Here's why this language is so important. That if God is my shepherd, I know I have, I have access to him and all he is, but that determines my relationship dynamic and determines that I am the sheep. When you confess that God is the shepherd, that makes you the sheep, not co-shepherd. which means that I'm totally dependent on the shepherd as the sheep. That I have no say in what happens because I'm co-shepherd. That's not how that works. When we say he is my shepherd, that means that you are placing yourself in the dynamic of a relationship that you are the sheep. Can I be honest that a sheep doesn't have to fight when the shepherd's around. A sheep doesn't need to find directions when the shepherd's leading. But you know, I think church, we have a problem with this analogy in 2023. And it's not because the sheep versus shepherd. I don't think it's because of that. I think it's because the aspect of being fully dependent on someone other than ourselves. 
The world has taught us to do you, to be the best version of you, to be this self-help. When we have sacrificed our dependency on God for the idea of self. See, many of us are not dependent enough on God and what he actually provides. We are more dependent on God and what we think he should provide. Uh, he's talking now. Which in turn, we can't delight in who God is and what he provides because what we want him to provide is different than the provision he actually provides. Some of us are so unhappy because we're asking God to provide our wish list. And God's not a genie. Some of us don't have joy in Sabbath because we're asking for a new Ford truck and God don't want to give you a Ford truck. Now, my God may want to give me a Ford truck. I don't know. But here's the problem. When we come into this relationship in a fleshly thought, a fleshly point of view, we will project God our want and need list, our wish list. And God's already been providing. So what happens is you miss out on the provision of him being a shepherd and the sheep because you're missing out on the idea that he's already actually providing. Your needs, not your wants. See, we tend to not have a true desperation of dependency on God and what he's actually providing. And if we did, we would change what we actually think and need to being content into what actually God gives. Psalms 23 continues. The Lord is my shepherd. What does the next part say? I shall not want. See, David is brilliant in his writing here because he carries this theme that God is the ultimate source and that is where our delight is found. I shall not want isn't based on our wish list. Therefore, we find joy in those things. No, I shall not want is based on the thought that God is the good shepherd and he provides everything that I need. And if he is the good shepherd that we know he is, why would I want anything out of what he provides? When we have this thought that we don't want anything out of what he provides, it changes our prayers and it changes our wants. See, Sabbath gives us proper perspective. It moves us from the perspective of being the shepherd of our own lives to being back to the sheep. And I think, church, if I'm honest with you, a lot of us are more dependent on the things that have let us down than the God who has never let us down. We keep going back to that thing that has always let us down. That job, that relationship, and we're, we put more dependency on that than the God who's never left, who's never left you for stranded or wanting for anything. So point number one is we delight in who God is. Point number two is we delight in the goodness of God. See, we had to start with who God is. And I'll be honest, anybody ever lived like, Life, you know what I'm talking about? Like life has just hit you. Like life sometimes sucker punches you. We had to understand who God is first because the next season that we're walking through will maybe test your trust in God. So if you only based your trust on God on the things that he provides, you wouldn't trust God for who he is. So you have to trust God for who he is first and then we can trust God in the goodness of God. Now watch this, watch the sovereignty of God in verse two. Verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside 
Still waters. I love that you're laughing, Pastor Daniel. He already knows where I'm going. See, when we fully submit to God, his authority, his plans and Sabbath, he makes us lie down. See, a sheep to shepherd dynamic, a good shepherd knows the rhythm that the sheep was created for and knows when they have to lie down. But for us, the rhythms of this world have become so loud that when we actually trust God with the rhythms of life, he will make us lie down, not out of force, but out of love. Therefore, we can delight in that thought. When I think about this point, I like to think about my one and a half year old Xander. Now be honest, church. When he was born, he was perfect. He could do no wrong. He slept, ate well. I think he said dad first. I'm just kidding. He said mama first. He was just perfect. And then we came across this evil phrase called sleep regression. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Where he went from sleeping and doing well to now he's up in the middle of the night. And he don't want to go to sleep. And now he's a one and a half year old, which means he's going on 13. And we like to have a bedtime routine for Xander where we give him a bath and we give him warm milk and we got this whole process, right? Because we know our son, because when we've tried to put him down in the past, I'll be honest, Pastor Daniel, we turn off all the lights, we turn on his sound machine, turn on the fan, get his favorite blanket, set the room up nice, favorite temperature, whatever. We get him in his rocking chair. We tuck his feet in, tuck his arms in, under a, we straight jacket our kid, okay? <laughs> and Pastor Ken, you know what he does? Mm, 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 mm. And he will yell and scream and kick. Why? Because he doesn't want to go to sleep. And he knows dad's a sucker and will get him out of his crib and he'll stay up for the next few hours. But as I was writing that analogy, I heard the Lord say to me, Alex, how often do you do that to me when it comes to our relationship and me making you? What is actually trying to make you lie down? You kick and scream because he knows your rhythms. He knows you need rest. He knows you need a break from that job. He knows you need a break from that relationship. And here's what happens. We kick and scream until we get our way. And then like the good shepherd he is, not out of force, out of love, he makes us lie down. I'll be honest with you. Make is kind of a forceful word. Like nobody's had to make me eat a T-bone steak, right? Make is there's a, there's a part involved that I don't want to do this. Our flesh is saying, I don't want to Sabbath. Why? Because I got to keep this thing going. I got to feed the monster. I need finances and provision and I don't need rest. And what happens is the Lord makes us lie down. And I wonder, not that the Lord causes sickness, but I wonder if sometime the Lord uses sickness for you to Sabbath. The past two weeks I've been sick and we texted a friend of ours who's like a sister to me. And she messaged Grace. She said, well, that's good that Alex is sick so he can finally get some rest. And she continued the thought of, I wonder if Alex will actually rest now that he's sick. 
And can I be honest? For the first few days, it was hard for me to rest. We had Verge coming up on Wednesday. I tried everything in my power to make it here, couldn't make it. And you know, they still had Wednesday service. You know, kids still encounter Jesus. It wasn't just hinged on the personality of Pastor Alex. I know, right? And then we had Sunday service. And you know, Pastor Ken still got up here and preached and we still had church. I know, crazy. But I wonder how many of us could we replace that in our lives? Where we work so hard and tirelessly because we think the world is gonna stop without you being involved. When really the world will go on without you. It just determines how you're gonna be a part of the world. Will you rest enough to be there? But I'll be honest, as we look into this, the Lord doesn't lead us to a desolate place. It says that he leads us to green pastures and still waters. What's the beauty of that? Green pastures are saying that there's an abundance in a field that God has prepared for us as sheep. Meaning that this Sabbath life should be enjoyable. And then what does it say? It said it leads us to still water. He leads us to still water. A good shepherd knows that running water will scare sheep. So a good shepherd would step down in the river or the what stream, whatever, and put blocks and sticks and stones to still the water to lead the sheep there. Why? Because the Lord delights in you. And the Lord delights in you and having a space for you to come delight with him. Why? And the Lord finds joy in that because that's who he is. Some of you, I even feel this, I feel this so strong in my spirit. Some of you have been mad at the goodness of God because life has not been fair to you. And I wanna encourage you today in faith that God has prepared a place for you of abundance and safety and comfort but you have to trust him to get there. He will go above and beyond to lead you to a place where you can be restored, where you can be refreshed. Later in the song, it says, he refreshes my soul. He restores my soul. How many of us just need a little bit of restoring today? You say, Pastor Alex, I need a break. But we're not trusting God enough to get to that place. Family, he's prepared a place for you of abundance of safety, of joy. And you say, what what is that? Sabbath should be enjoyable. What's your green pasture? If it's golfing, go golfing with Jesus. I love when I get around Pastor Daniel, his word of the year is kindness. And when I talk to him, he says, yeah, me and Jesus went and did this. I talked to Jesus on the way to this. He's radiating joy. Why? Because he's spending time with the one who created him the one who needs to get his soul refreshed from. If you like shopping, go shopping with Jesus. Just don't blame me if you spend all your money. <laughs> right? If you like to go fishing, go fishing with Jesus. Here's the problem. Some of us don't do the thing that we love because we do it in our flesh. Me, I love playing basketball. Me too. But if, come on somebody. But if I play basketball in my flesh, sometimes Pastor Alex and Pastor Alex on the basketball court. That'd be on. Well, if this is the last time I'm preaching, guys, just know I love you. Just kidding. 
But there's a difference in me taking Jesus on a basketball court, and that sounds silly, but it's delighting in the fact that God wants to be with me while I'm doing what I love. For some of you, it's not doing something far off and different than what you love. God's created you to be you. There's tendencies and personality traits that you have that's meant for you. Don't change who you are to fit into this Sabbath. No, if you love, I don't know, find something. If you love painting or making arts and crafts, right? I was trying to figure out a way to bring this back. If you love arts and crafts, take Jesus into that moment. Take a Sabbath pause before you get started and say, Jesus, thank you for delighting in me as I delight in you. God, help my perspective for me not to be the shepherd. Help me to be the sheep in this moment. God, speak to me, talk to me in a new way. You gotta find what's enjoyable for you. But you know what? I feel like there's a lot of us that don't have that space, especially us in younger generations, because we're so used to being entertained by the world standards that we go from pleasure to pleasure, from entertainment to entertainment, without being able to understand the simplicity of joy with God. Can I be honest with you? Sabbath is not meant for you to disengage. Sabbath is not meant for you to numb the pain. Sabbath is not meant for you to check out. Sabbath is meant for you to engage mentally and engage relationally. Psalms 37, four. I think we have it on the air Bible. It says this, take delight in the Lord. Take joy in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Again, when we find delight in God, this is not a prosperity gospel. That doesn't mean when I find joy in coming to church, he's gonna give me everything that I want. What he's saying is, when you take the fullness of joy in God, he will give you the desires of your heart. Meaning, he doesn't take your wish list and fulfill it. He takes your fleshly desires and replaces them with kingdom desires. The more you spend time with God, the more your will and wants will change to what he wants and his will and his plan. But can I be honest, church? I think there's a lot of us that are joy deficient. Where there's a lot of us in this moment where life has sucked the joy right out of you. Where you've been trying to hold it all together for so long that you can't find happiness or joy or anything in between. So this whole process of delight and Sabbath is foreign to you because you haven't laughed in a while. The men in the room, there's some of you that have the pressure of providing for your family on your head and on your, on your shoulders so much, it, it's weighing you down. That all you're doing is keeping up with this rat race, trying to provide and make money. That you will sit in your truck when you get home for five to 10 minutes because you've got to deal with life. Women, there's some of us, some of you in here, not some of us, there's some of you in here. That's not a political statement, just so everybody knows. Hopefully I don't get canceled. Nobody record this. Um, women, there's some of you in here that if you were honest with yourself, every day you cry in the shower because you're holding the pressure of your family together. That you're trying so hard to keep your family so close and knit together that Life is falling apart and you haven't had joy in a while. Students in the room, there's some of you that you're trying to be entertained so much 
that you just refresh the screen, refresh the screen, refresh the screen, that you go from entertainment to entertainment and you never find joy. And what you do is you just mask the pain of bullying and anxiety and fear with just entertainment. So you have down. But can I remind you, church, that Jesus created joy. If you are joy to today, we serve a God who created the idea of joy. That joy can be restored to you today in this moment. Why? Because God loves you enough that he wants to delight in you and you delight in him that he will restore joy past anything that you're feeling in this moment. He can bypass anything you've been feeling and restore joy that sustains, not just happiness that's temporary. The early church fathers had this theological thought of the Trinitarian dance. And scholars call it the dance of the divine or the flow of the divine where there's an image of joy and delight being shared within the unity of the Trinity through love. Where God the Father is delighting in the Son. The Son is delighting in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's delighting in God. So in the creation story, it says, let us make man in our image. Why? So they can delight in this world with us. From the very beginning of creation, joy was at the center. Why? Because God wanted to delight in you as you delight in him. God is a fun God. He wants us to delight in him as he delights in us. So point number one is this. We delight in who God is. Point number two is we delight in the goodness of God. And point number three is we delight in the seasons of God. If if you've lived life at all, you know that there are seasons to this thing called life. You know that there are valleys and there are mountaintops. Sometimes it feels like there's a lot more valleys than mountaintops. And I love that David continues this thought in Psalms 23. Can we go back? Verse three, he restores my soul. He leads me the path of righteousness or the right path for his name's sake. Next verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Next verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Next verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I be honest, church? Sometimes following Jesus leads us to dark spaces. But let me remind you that delight isn't found in a location or a circumstance. It's found in the shepherd who is Jesus. Our posture of joy should be that as long as God is here, I'm good. The seasons of God will look vastly different, but delighting in God should never change. I'll be honest with you, church. I love Pastor Albert Tate in California. He did an analogy on this very thought. He talks about the seasons of God from the valley of the shadow of death to now we were just in green pastures drinking still waters and now we're in the valley of the shadow of death, right? Where there's nothing but evil. And then you show up on the next page and you got enemies. 
What happened? Right? Then it says this. Then he anoints my head with oil. Pastor Albert Tate talks about the Old Testament, how priests would wear this garment. They'd be anointed. From the top of their head, it would flow down into their beard, which he talks about represents wisdom. It flows down their garment. And the oil will get caught in the hem of the garment. And after the oil is all poured out, it says the richest of the anointing oil is found in the hem of the garment. I said, Pastor Alex, why does that matter? It's because as the riches of the anointing is found in the hem of the garment, it's representing the lowest of places. Where the anointing of God can reach me in the valley of the shadow of death. That he can reach me in the middle where I have enemies all around me. He puts a table right in front of me. That even though I've been through hell and back, I can look down at the hem of my garment and know that God sustained me through it all. No matter the diagnosis, no matter the circumstance, no matter the divorce, no matter the past. It doesn't matter. The anointing's the heaviest at the lowest place. And can I go a step further? Here's the beauty. That if he sustained me in the lowest part, if he sustained me in my weakest moment, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That no matter the hell I've been through, no matter how many times I've been to hell and back, that God will sustain me on the mountaintop. That mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, joy is yours today. Why? Because He's the God of the sustainable. He sustained you to this moment. Even though you don't have joy, even though we've been fighting for joy, God has met us in the lowest place, even in the valley, in the diagnosis, in the kids not coming home, in the marital issue, in the affair. in the trouble we face at school. In the lowest of place, He sustains me. And because He sustains me, surely, mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Stand to your feet all